getting warm. It's teasing us a little bit. I wish spring was coming, but it'll be coming. As we continue worshiping and lifting our voices this morning with this song I'm singing, just give praise to God for all that he's done for you. He is awesome. Only one king has an end. 
you turn to your neighbor, say hello this morning, maybe get their name and just greet each other.
singing if you want, but you can be seated. <laughs> All right. Welcome to Crossroads Ministries. We're glad you're here this morning. Aren't you glad that it's not snowing this weekend? Amen. You know, thank God for that. What a, it's like spring out there. We're glad that you're here today. I'd like to ask you to please pass the friendship folders down the aisle at this time. And uh, as, as you're doing that, just a few announcements here. Wednesday night, this Wednesday, the first Wednesday of every month, we try to have a dinner in the gymnasium. That's at 5.30, and it goes from 5.30, and uh, you'll be done in time to go to the activities here at the church. So we'll have the, uh, the, the, the adult groups, the children's groups. That's all starts at 6.30. So uh, come on out at 5.30. It's on a donation basis. If you'd like to uh, come, we ask you just to RSVP so that we make sure that we have enough food for you. And, uh, and then uh, also uh, you can do that at the Welcome Center or online. And then we also have uh, on Wednesday night our Canopy Kids is taking off. God is really doing some great things there uh, through the clubhouse. And they are sponsoring a, it's called the Lego Race. And that is coming up on March the 9th, all right? On the Lego Grand Prix on March the 9th. And that, that is right around the corner. It's hard to believe we're thinking about spring already, which I'm pretty happy about that, all right? But uh, Lego Race will be there. And, and, uh, and they're even, I think they're even going to let the adults race. But uh, just, just one disclaimer, adults, if you want to race, you cannot race against a third grader, all right? So that's the only issue there, all right? So, but if you're interested in that, please stop down the uh, kid check station downstairs and they'll give you more information for you and your, your family. Baby dedication on March the 6th. You know, we have a lot of babies in our church. All of a sudden, God has just blessed us with, this, uh, with young families and families that are having babies and they're growing. And so uh, we, we see there's a lot of babies in the church and we'd like to dedicate them to the Lord. So if you're in that situation and uh, you'd say, I'd like to dedicate my baby to the Lord, my children to the Lord, um, please sign up and call the church office. The information is in the bulletin, how to do that. And uh, we will include you on that day of baby dedication. That, looking forward to that being a, a great part of our service on Sunday, March the 6th. And then we have uh, Fireproof. Uh, you see the table out there, Fireproof. Uh, this is a, a movie on marriage, uh, Never Leave Your Partner Behind. So this is, a, we, we've rented a theater, the Grand Theater in Elizabeth. Uh, and it's really a cool place. Uh, and, and it seats about 200 people. It's, uh, it's really a fun place to be. We've rented out. We're going to show this movie there, Fireproof. And this is on February the 14th. So we're asking, because uh, February 14th is on a Sunday, so you'll be here at church. Then come back out and come watch this movie with us. And I want to encourage all married couples, couples of all ages, whether you're newly married or you've been married for longer than you can count, all right? We'd like to invite all married couples to come. And maybe you're engaged. You're, you're getting ready to get married. We want to encourage you to come and, uh, and, and, and enjoy the night. But there's a table out there. You can get a ticket. They're $5 a seat. This is the greatest cheap date you'll ever have, folks, all right? So $5 a seat, and you get to take your wife out for a night, and uh, we'll have a good time over there. Uh, watching Fireproof. And then after the movie and the weeks to come afterwards, we're going to have, we're trying to get some small groups going. So discussion groups. And what we're going to do is we're going to have these groups with the DVD. You sit and you watch a clip of the, uh, of the, of the, vi of the video of Fireproof, and then you discuss parts of it. So if that interests you, please stop over and sign up at the table as you're going out. It's off to the left there. And uh, either get your ticket. You can, get, you can do the ticket and not do the groups. Um, or, or you can do, do the groups. They have all kind of fun stuff out there for you, all right? Then also, um, we have our choir coming up. Choir will be resuming here shortly, and they're getting ready for a program called Eyes of Faith. Uh, please pick up. You'll see a table out, out the door here to the right, and uh, get, a, get your practice CD for that. Eyes of Faith, that'll be coming up on Good Friday. So we're excited about all that God is doing. And then our, our birthday gift to Jesus. God is really moving in our birthday gift to Jesus. Um, so uh, we've gone over the goal, which is exciting, to $78,919. Let's give our God a hand. He just continues to bless and supply. You, you can still give to that, and we will keep forwarding that on and helping missionaries with that. So we're thankful for all that you, our church, has done to step up to the plate. Your generosity has just been incredible. And uh, next Sunday, as part of our service, we're going to let you hear back from some of the missionaries that have received these gifts. Uh, hear a report of what's happening around the world. They're sending us videos, and we're, we're downloading these videos, and we're going to be able to share them next week as part of our service. So we're looking forward to that. 
At this time, I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward. We'll receive our morning offering. What a joy it is to give to the Lord this morning and, and honor His name. So um, as, as, the, uh, as the offering plate comes your way, uh, we want to encourage you to give to the Lord this morning. If you're our guest, I want to encourage you to let the plate pass you by. Um, it's, it's quite all right. This is, this is for our, our regulars who are growing in, this, uh, in the faith of, of giving here. And so uh, we, we want to encourage you. Maybe you gave online. Some give online. Some give through the mail. And others will give through the plate this morning. So let's honor God this morning, shall we? Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we come before you and uh, we are blessed, Lord. You have blessed us in a powerful way. And, and I thank you for how that you have blessed us, Lord. You've, you're, you're doing great things in our life. You're moving mightily. And God, now we stop and we pause and we, we return a portion to you of what you've given to us. Um, and so, Lord, we, we honor you and we ask that you will uh, be honored and blessed by your people as they respond to the goodness of God this morning. In your name we pray. Amen.
There's so much great found in the small. A full life of potential in a heartbeat. A massive tree in an acorn. Trillions of atoms in a speck of dust. So much said in a look. So much history in a scar. So much comfort in silence. The faith to move mountains in a seed. The greatest gift in pennies. A timeless sacrifice in a few breaths. The greatest of man in a servant. The universe is great in the small. Stars 1,000 times the size of Earth, just specks in the sky. Salvation in the simplest of prayers. The gift of eternity in an instant. Freedom from bondage in a choice. Fullness of life in the darkest of times. Power of resurrection in a word. The greatest significance in the smallest of steps. Can you see it? May we all come to see the great in the small. We've been talking about small things, big difference. And uh, since the first of the year, we've uh, been discussing this concept that really there are small things that you do in your life that do make a big difference. Um, when, we, when, we, when we just commit ourselves to doing a few things, a few small things that will radically change our life, that's true in every area of your life, and it's true in your spiritual life. And so this morning, we're going to, uh, I'm just going to do a quick review here. We've, uh, we start out with, ha- uh, I gave you an acrostic for habits. We said that there are good habits and bad habits, and quite often we only think of habit in a negative way. But we want to develop good habits. And as we develop a good habit, we begin to, uh, we begin to understand uh, that there are things that you can do that are small and you just keep doing them and God blesses you as you learn and grow in that area. So we, we said that the H in habits was to have time in Christ's presence. 
That was the very first week. Have time in Christ's presence. And as we talked about that, we said, uh, we want you to just start having five minutes a day in His presence. And many people did that. They went out of here and said, I'm not doing it. I started at five. Um, and and their, their life is being blessed. God is working. I, I'm hearing a lot of feedback that people are getting into God's Word. Some people are taking where they were at and going the next step. Accountability was the A. I, I need somebody. I need another human to come alongside of me. Somebody who comes along and says, I will be your encourager. Yes, this is where you're going in your spiritual life. I'm going to encourage you. You're struggling? Yes, I'm here to encourage you. That's accountability. Uh, H-A-B, the, uh, the B was Bible in my heart. Memorizing God's Word. God says to hide God's Word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so we, we talked about that. And we, gave out, uh, we gave some verses out and uh, asked you to begin to memorize. Uh, as you leave today on the table in the back, uh, uh, past the Welcome Center there, you'll see a bunch of these yellow stacks. That each one of them, uh, this is uh, 26 memory verses. 26 verses that you can memorize this next year. They're printed out. They're on a card. Take them. We want you to take them. And, uh, and just, they're, they're free. Just take them and, and put them on someplace where, where, where you'll see them all the time. You know, it may, may be on your dresser, maybe on the mirror, or, or may even be on a refrigerator. But you'll, you'll see it, someplace that you'll see on a regular basis and start to memorize and, and hide God's Word in your heart. And as you hide God's Word in your heart, He does that. He transforms your life. Uh, one lady came in and she said, listen, I, uh, I, started, I started this and, and my life's changed. She called me up this week and said, my life has totally changed because, because I, you told me something I can do. I, I was overwhelmed and I, she was feeling defeated and said, I, you know, I just feel like I'm, I'm, I'm not able to live up to this because I can't do all that. And she said, I left there and I said, I'm going to start meeting with God five minutes a day. And she made a commitment. She said, five minutes a day. And she went out and in her work, during her work time, she found a little bit of time, carved out some time to have five minutes with God. She said she started with a veggie tail. You remember the veggie tails? Anybody remember the veggie tails? She started with a veggie tail devotional, spending five minutes a day with God. And then all of a sudden, God developed in her life. And she said in this, this short time through this month, God has developed her from five minutes a day to roughly 30 minutes a day on, in, in a break time on her work. Now, isn't that exciting, what God is doing? And then she went home with the verses. And she, uh, she took the one verse that we had that day, and then she took a couple other verses, put them on post-it notes, laminated the notes, and stuck them in her purse. And what else she's doing in, in her free time? So, so God is moving. And I want to encourage you to let God move in your life. The I, last week we talked about, is involved in serving. Uh, your faith grows when you get involved. When you, when you get involved and serve, you get to know people's names, you take a step of, pe- step of faith, and you say, okay, life is not about me right now, and I'm going to step out. Will they like me? Will they not like me? You go through all those issues. Uh, and I can't transform somebody's life, but I can serve. Only God can transform somebody's life. Amen? So, uh, and that's what we do. We come, we serve. And, and what you have in your hand, you put in God's hand. He blesses it, and, uh, and He does what only He can do with it. And then today, we're talking about the tea, and the tea is tithing. And you say, oh, man, that's an uncomfortable subject, isn't it? You know, uh, when it comes to money, have you ever noticed when we, when we start to talk about money, uh, it tends to be an uncomfortable subject, especially around churches. Um, you know, churches are, are, many people think that church is all about money. Have you ever noticed that? Do you ever talk to somebody that says, I'm not, I don't go to church, they're all about money, you know? Have you ever heard that? Raise your hand if you've heard somebody say that, okay? Look around, just about everybody. We've all heard somebody say that. Maybe you used to say that at one point. Ah, the church is all about money. There's mo- That's all they want up there is money. And you know what? Nothing could be further from the truth. Nothing could be further from the, church, from the truth. This morning when we, when we receive the morning offering, I, I tell our guests, if you're a guest, let this pass you by. Um, why? Because the church is not about money. I say that quite often whenever, whenever we receive the offering. Why? Because the church is not about money. Um, and the problem, with, the problem with the whole money issue here is that the world, thinks, the, the, the world thinks that money is everything. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, money kind of drives our society. It kind of drives everything. And, w- and when we're money-focused, there's a lot of enthusiasm surrounding money. And, uh, you know, this morning, if I were to hand out a bag of money, you'd be all happy, right? You know, on your way out, just to prove to you, we're going to hand you a bag of money on the way out, right? We're not about money. Here's money. Take it, right? Well, if I had that kind of resources, I'd love to do that. 
But, uh, you know, we, we don't have those resources. But the, the, the issue here is that the church is not about money. It is about God. And as we come, God says your money is part of it. Money, the, you, he talks all over the Bible. God actually talks a lot in the Bible about money. And, uh, and so what we're going to look, we're going to look at this concept of tithing. We're going to look at what it is, okay, and where did it come from and, and how, we can, how we can grow in this area. Um, the, the whole issue of tithing is not about money. It's really about your heart. Um, it, it's really about your heart. Leviticus 27.30 says this, And all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. So everything that, that we have is holy to the Lord. We're supposed to take that tenth and set that, that tenth, that top ten percent. He wants the top. Um, that's what tithe means. It means one-tenth. Another rendering says this, one-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. Uh, that's what holy means. Holy means set apart. Um, God is holy. We are sinful. He is set apart from us. So when we give our tithe, we give that, give that to God, we're taking a portion of our income and we're giving it to God. We're giving him the top 10% because it's his. And we're saying, this is holy. This is set apart. I'm not going to spend this. This is yours, God. All right? Uh, One-tenth of the produce of the land. They were an agricultural society. They, uh, they were living in a desert and as they're, they're wandering in the desert for 40, day, uh, 40 years, 40 years they're wandering in the desert and, uh, and, and you know, living out of tents. They were in slavery, and God frees them from slavery, sends them out into the desert. They're wandering for 40 years, and God institutes the tithe. He says to tithe, to give the top 10% to God. And what a blessing. These people were blessed. They were no longer enslaved. But they, they didn't have, uh, it wasn't a financial society like, we're, what, like we live in. It was a agricultural. And so they brought the top ten of their agriculture to God. In the Old Testament, they had even more. They gave even more than ten. And that's very interesting. Charles Ryrie notes that there was the ten percent that we talk about here. But there's also another ten percent. After the nation of Israel, they, they were in the, in the desert for 40 years. After they crossed over the Jordan River and into the promised land that God gave them, God instituted a second tithe. And that we know that as a festival tithe. Because what they were doing, and you can look that up, that's in Deuteronomy, 4, <clears throat> excuse me, Deuteronomy 14, 22. That was the festival tithe because God wanted them to celebrate and never forget that he, talked, that, that he took them out of bondage, that he provided this land for them, and that was the festival tithe. So if you can help me with my math, 10 plus 10 equals what? 20. Okay, thank you. I was limited in the math department, all right? Uh, 20%. So we're up to 20% that the people gave. Um, that's very interesting to me. And then there was another tithe, another 10% that was given every three years. On every third year in Deuteronomy 14, 28, every third year there was another tithe that was kept at home for the poor. And so this, this, uh, this other tithe was for the poor. So you take that 10 over three years, that's about 23%, all right? 3% from each of the poor, 10 and 10, you're roughly 23%. And, and then God also told them, while you're, while you're out and you're, you're, you're harvesting, leave food in the corners for the poor. So many people believe that it was roughly 25% was, was what they gave in the Old Testament. Now, I'm not suggesting that we give 25%. I'm just showing you the history of where the tithe came from this morning. Uh, the children of Israel were, were giving the top 10% to God. The top 10 went for God's work. And, uh, and, and they took it into the, to the Levitical priest, and that was for God's work. And God told them that was the, the way they were to live. They also had free will offerings. Now think about this. So there was, there was all this tithe, 25%. And then there was the free will offering. Oh, by the way, we have this going on and we need help. Look here in Exodus 25, verses 1 and 2. Um, the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering from me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. 
from each man whose heart prompts him to give. So in other words, this wasn't a required. This was like, okay, we have a need. And what ended up happening, they were building the tabernacle, and the people gave so much. And if you, if you read the next chapter there in Exodus, you'll find out that the people gave so much that Moses had to say, stop giving. Now, I've never heard that happen in our church, okay? All right? And probably won't ever, okay? But, you know, stop giving. We have enough. We, we don't know what to do with all of this. And that's what, what, what they did. My, my point here is that they learned the grace of giving. They learned about grace giving. God had freed them from slavery, and they learned how to give. God took them across the Jordan and gave them land, and they learned how to give. God was saying, I'm going to further my work in addition to the work I'm already doing. I want you to follow me here. We're going to build a tabernacle. They gave more. And so, so this was the practice. So I'd like to call tithing this, grace giving. I think that's a great word. Would you say that with me? Grace giving. Why? Because we are not under the law, but we are under the cross. We are under the, the grace of Jesus. And so he has given you things. And, and so the first thought in your notes this morning is that grace giving is more about your heart than your money. Now think about that. Grace giving, your tithe, the, the, what you give to the Lord is more about your heart than your money. And I'll just, just go on record. God doesn't need your money. Aren't you thankful for that? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He, is, he has all the resources at his command. So this isn't about money. God is not saying, hey, I need your money. God is saying, I need your heart. See, because Jesus himself said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And if you want to find out where your heart is, just look in your bank account, you know. Uh, look in your checkbook ledger. You know, there's uh, Chick-fil-A. You know, everybody's heart goes there every now and then, right? Uh, there's car number one. There's uh, my mortgage. And, look, and we have these things, and, and, and we have to manage them. But uh, God says, put me at the top. I want to be number one in all you do. Remember when I had the prayer show on for the, uh, when we talked about the Bible memorization, I, I pulled out the prayer show and said that they wanted, uh, the children of Israel were to look at that and remember all that God has done. They had to, they had to look and say, this was God's word, and it reminded them, of this intimate relationship with God. And so that's what tithing is all about. When we give to God, it's a reminder of who He is. It's a reminder that God is my source. Uh, Deuteronomy 8.18 says this, But remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms His covenant, which He swore to your forefathers as it is today. Do you notice there it says, remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you the ability to produce what? Wealth. Wealth is okay. There's nothing wrong with wealth as long as it's done God's way. And what, what you want to remember is that God is your source. So when you go to work tomorrow, you, you, you have a boss and your employer will write you a check a couple times a month. Because you have worked for him and he has paid you for your work, right? But let me remind you, your boss is not your source. Who is your source? Remember the Lord your God. He gave you the ability to go work, to go work for that boss. And so what happens if we lose our job? God is still my source. My life is not over if I've lost my job. It, uh, yes, it's painful, there's hard, there's, there's crisis, but... At the end of the day, we come back and remember that God is my source, not my employer. Uh, nothing wrong with uh, prospering as long as you do it God's way. Look at what uh, uh, Romans 11.36 says here. For everything comes from Him and exists by His power and is intended for His glory. All glory to Him forever and ever. Amen. So, so we have here, we have here um, the thought here that everything that you have comes from God. Everything you have comes from God. As a matter of fact, um, I want you to think about I, I read this statement. It says this. What you think you own is really on loan. What you think you own is really on loan from God. Okay? So in other words, God has given you everything that you have. All the wealth that you have. All right? No, it doesn't matter the amount. We all have, we're all, this is America. 
I, I take you down to Haiti and you, you, will, you, will, you will see that we are wealthy people here. The poorest person here is we have got it made compared to the many, many other places around the world. The wealth that you have, okay, God has given it to you for about 80, 90. Well, you want to go to 105? 80, 90, 105 years, however long you're going to be. And let me tell you this. He's loaned it to you to manage it. It's his. It's on loan from God. And, and he wants you to be his manager. Now, God trusts you to be his manager. And that's really awesome. And so he's provided it to you. And so what you own, what you think you own is really on loan from God. And so that 80-year period, I want, I want to remind you that you will never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. Okay? It just doesn't happen. You might see a hearse behind a U-Haul, but you'll never see a U-Haul being towed behind the hearse. Because when you go to the grave, this stuff is meaningless, right? It's only for this short time that we have here on earth. And then when we get on into eternity, somebody else will manage my bills. I'm sorry, my wealth, okay? Somebody else will manage what I have here, okay? So the things that I, the things that I have, they're temporary, and, and whenever I leave this earth, somebody else gets to, gets to have that and have fun with that. So another reason that... I just want to look at here at a couple thoughts here this morning. Because the world really is driven by money. And that's why it's so hard for us at times to let go of it to God. God taught his people in the Old Testament here how to tithe. And by the way, into the New Testament, he carries that on. Over in Matthew uh, 23, verse 23... He said to the Pharisees, this, this is really interesting. He says to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 23, What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income of your herb gardens. But you ignore the more important aspects of law, justice, mercy, and faith. So he says, listen, you tithe to the nth degree, but you've forgotten the things that are really important. And then he says, you should tithe. Yes, but do not neglect the more important things. So even Jesus here was reinforcing, yes, this is important. Yes, you should give. This, God wants you to give unto him. And all throughout the New Testament, we see grace giving. We're not forced. We're not, it's not a tax. We don't have to do this. But God says, listen, I want you to give because when you give, you put me at the number one spot of your life. Now, here's a couple, couple things. The world says this about money. This is what the world says about money. The world says that money is important. And I think there's some degree of truth about that, right? Money is important. If you don't have any money to buy lunch today, it, you'll know how important it is, right? Um, if you don't have money to pay the light bills, we know it's important. So we have to have money. But the world says that it's the most important. It says that everything about life revolves around money. And, uh, you know, you, you get what you deserve and, and, and looking out for number one. But look what God says. God says that loving God is most important. Loving God is most important. Uh, in Luke chapter 16, Jesus had been talking about stewardship, and, and he ends his time on stewardship with this. He says, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Now, he doesn't say that you cannot serve God and have money. He says you cannot serve God and money. See, there's nothing wrong with having money. Money is actually a great tool. God's giving it to us. He's given it to you. But he says, do not let money become your master. When money becomes your master, okay, when money becomes your master, there's where the problem is. God says, I want to be number one. And if we put the drive for money, if we put money in that number one, we're in pain. Now, money has the power to take place of God in your life. That's why this is so dangerous. Money can really trip us up. Uh, how can you tell if you're a slave to money? Okay? If, how can you tell if you're a slave to money? Here's a couple thoughts. Answer these questions. Not out loud. Don't raise your hand. This is private time now. Okay? Do you worry about money? There's money. Oh, I'm sorry. All right? Do you ever worry about money? Um, do you give up doing what you should do or like to do to make more money? Do you spend a lot of your day dreaming about possessions? You think about, oh, that boat, or whatever. Uh, are you most happy after, after buying something? You know, I talked to somebody the other day. I said, how are you doing? And this person said, great, I just got back from the mall. 
my bags were filled. And I said, oh, I'd be ill, you know. And they were so happy, okay. Uh, is it hard to give something away? Uh, and listen, here, here's what happens. We all struggle with this area. Money, we struggle because money can get in the driver's seat. And so often money, when it gets in the driver's seat, becomes our master. God doesn't want you to be the slave to it. He wants you to use it. And, he wants, and when we put him as number one, when we put God as number one, now he, is, he has influence over all of our finances. In Luke chapter 16, 14, the Pharisees scoffed at him. The Pharisees, the very next verse, after he says, you cannot serve both God and money, look what the Pharisees did. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. They laughed at him. They mocked him. Um, why? Because these people, they, were, they thought they had it all together and just said, you are a lover of money. You are a lover of money. Money gives me power. At least that's what the world promises, doesn't it? The world will promise that it will give you power, but it, it doesn't deliver. Have you noticed that? It doesn't deliver. Uh, I'd just like to share with you about a meeting that happened in 1923. It was at the Edgewater Beach Hotel in Chicago. And attending the meeting were some of the, some of the most wealthy people, some of the strongest financiers of the day. They had together the president of the largest steel company, the president of the largest utility company, the, uh, the president of America's largest gas company, the, uh, the president of the New York Stock Exchange, the president of the Bank of International Settlements, the nation's greatest wheat speculator, the nation's greatest bear and speculator on Wall Street, uh, the head of the world's greatest monopoly, a member of President Harding's cabinet. And so all these men came together in this hotel in Chicago and they convened and they said uh, that they were celebrating their success and were planning their future as they were going to dominate the financial market. That was in 1923. However, within 25 years, all of those men ended up with a horrible plight to their life and, and, and ended up, you see, that money promised power and it didn't, it didn't deliver. 25 years later, here was the horrific end. The president of the largest steel company, Charles M. Schwab, died a bankrupt man. The president of the largest utility company, Samuel Insull, died penniless. The president of the largest gas company, Howard Hobson, suffered a mental breakdown, ending up in the insane asylum. Uh, the bank president, Leon Frazier, took his own life. The president of the New York Stock Exchange, Richard Whitney, had just been released from prison. The wheat speculator, Arthur Cotton, died penniless. The head of the world's greatest monopoly, Ivan Kruger, the match king, also had taken his life. The member of President Harding's cabinet, Albert Fall, had just been given a pardon from prison so he could die at home. Loving money. Loving money. God says this, loving money makes me powerless. When I love money, I am powerless. See, the world says money is power. God says when you love money, it's powerless. Um, have you ever heard that saying, money is the root of all evil? Have you ever heard that? Raise your hand. You've heard that? Okay. I just want to tell you that's not in the Bible, okay? <laughs> Let me show you what is in the Bible, okay? Right here. For the love of money. Read that with me. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. It's the love of money. Money is not evil. If it were, why would we carry it in our pocket? If it were, why would we collect it at church? You know? I mean, listen, money is not evil. It, it, it is the love of money. It's when our drive, when all we can do, when we are consumed over, did I get enough? When we're consumed over me, when we're consumed over that dollar, and God is not at first place anymore, that's where the love of money, and that's where the Bible says that is the root of all kinds of evil. Money is not evil, it's the love of money. As a matter of fact, over in uh, Matthew 19, uh, somebody had come to Jesus, and, and they said, uh, this is Matthew 19, 16 through 22, someone came to Jesus with this question. He said, teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, well, why do you ask what good, the good one, you, you know who is good. There is only one good one. He's referring to himself, referring to God. 
But to answer your question, if you want to, if you want to really have eternal life, he says, go ahead, you've got to live all the Ten Commandments, and nobody can do that. That's why Jesus said there's only one good one. Only he could fulfill that. And then, and then the man replies, says, well, listen, I've done that. I've obeyed. I've done, uh, you know. And Jesus, you know, Jesus knows the man didn't do it all. And so he goes further. He says, well, listen, if you really want to get it, he says, here's what you do. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you'll have your treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But the, this man, the rich young ruler, bowed his head, and he went away very sad, for he had many possessions. You see, when the love of money is in there, it makes me powerless. This man couldn't even change. He was powerless by the, by the money. Loving money makes you powerless to change what's truly is important. Money gives me happiness. That's another thing that the world will tell you. The world will tell you money gives me happiness. And, and certainly, uh, you know, I'm not going to tell you that uh, there's no, no fun with it, right? Uh, you know, it is fun to have some money. But uh, let me just share this with you. Jim Carrey said this. Jim Carrey, you've heard of the actor Jim Carrey? I always say he's the, the actor that doesn't have it all up there, right? You know, he's kind of the loose cannon out there, right? Uh, Jim, Jim Carrey actually said this. He said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see it's not the answer. Now, this man doesn't even know God. He doesn't know, know God, and, uh, and he's a pretty funny guy, actually. But you know what? He says, I wish everybody... Why? He's attained it. He's got all the money, all the, all the fame. And he says, I wish everybody could do that so they can see it's not the answer. It's not what it's cracked up to be. Um, what does God say? Loving money leads to pain. See, the world will tell you it's all about happiness. God says when you're loving money, when it's your drive, it leads to pain. Uh, back to 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from their faith and their greediness and pierced themselves. There's the pain. They pierced themselves through many sorrows. Uh, as I said earlier, if you think you're not rich, go over to the island of Haiti and meet a man who works eight, ten hours a day, 365 days a year, and at the end of the year has $365 to show for his work. Um, we live in a blessed country. Um, money, money leads to pain. Not money, the love of money leads to pain. The love of money leads to pain. As I travel around the world, I've been to just different, I don't go all over the world. I've been in the Eastern Hemisphere mostly, but I've been as far as Ecuador. I've been to the Bahamas. I've been to Haiti, Grenada, Jamaica, up and down the islands down there, at Trinidad. And I have found this that the rest, that those, those areas, they don't have the money that we have. And yet I find people that are so connected to God in those places. I find people that, are, that, that don't have a whole lot of money but have a whole lot of God. And whenever I come home from those places, I am inspired because what I thought was so important is of low importance. It's, you know, we, we put it up here, they put it down here because the resources aren't there. And they're the ones that have fallen Christ have a real incredible relationship because it's not con convoluted with materialism. We have a, we have a real struggle in our country and, uh, and that is where we have to walk and, and follow God. That's why God says, I want you to give to me first. I want you to give to me first. Money gives me security. That's what the world says. The world says money gives me security. Um, for some, maybe your prized possession could, could be snatched away could be snatched away. But God says, loving money makes me insecure. Loving money makes me insecure. Um, so on one hand, the world's saying, look, this is your security. Put your 401k. And listen, we've got to do all that. That's important. You have, to, you have to save. But my security is not in my savings. My security is from God who is my source. Proverbs 23, verse 4 and 5. This is a great, great verses. Do not wear yourselves out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. Did you ever know that was in the Bible? It will sprout away. It will fly away. We've seen that in our culture, haven't we? Maybe some of your funds have changed dramatically over the past 10 years. 
Uh, you, you've had some money saved and it was gone. And I, I've been with people. And listen, that's, those are painful moments. But the love of money makes me insecure. Not money. It's the love of money that will make me insecure. So what do we do? We're to honor God first. God says, I want you to honor me with everything about you. If you want to be successful in your, in your marriage, you want to have God, God working in your marriage, you put him first. If you want God to, uh, to be... Uh, if you want God to uh, make you successful in business, you put him first in your business. In your relationships, you put him first in your, in your relationship. In your career, you put him first there. In your finances, you put him first. In your time, you put him first. And in our finances, we put him first. Proverbs 3.9 says, Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income. And he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. Uh, remember, it was an agricultural society, and God says, if you will honor the Lord, he will take care of you. He's going to do that. Deuteronomy 14.23, uh, the second half of the verse says this, basically that the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. That's why we do this. That's why we do this. So, you know, when, when you do that, you're thanking God for the past. You give it to Him and say, Lord, uh, it came from you. I thank you for the past. Lord, uh, I thank you for the present. You're number one in my life. Lord, I thank you for the future. I'm trusting you for the future because I'm going to do without. I'm going to give this to you. So when we think about that this morning, I want you to think with me about the tithe. The tithe teaches us to put God first in our lives. So I'd just like to illustrate for you something here. Let's say this were a pie, okay? Got this big old circle up here and uh, it's, a, it's a pie. We'll call this God's pie. And, um, you know, somebody asked me, why do all, all your illustrations have food, right? So, you know, God's pie. And so God gives you a pie. And he says, here, I've, I've given it to you. And he has. It's called all of our finances, right? So he gives us the pie. So we come out here, and we, 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 here's what we typically do. We come in, we say, okay, oh, this pie is so good, it's so good. And I've got, I'm so thankful, but man, I'll tell you what, here's my mortgage. I'm going to give the first slice to my mortgage. So I take that and I cut that out and say, ah. And you're like, but I got a really good rate, you know, I'm really happy about it. So I put my mortgage on. And then I come over here and I say, well, here's car number one. So I take another slice and I give it to car number one. And, and that's for your wife, right? You have to have a dependable car for your wife and so it's a foreign car, and you hand, put on a plate, and they go, ah, Duncan Shane, all right? And they say, thank you, all right? Uh, and and then, then, uh, then, then we're going to come here, and we're going to go, um, the car number two. Now, this is not for my wife. This is for me. So, well, maybe we'll make that a little bit bigger, right? Because it is for me, right? So uh, car number two, and it's, it's a good, strong car. And so I'm investing, and I take that slice off, and I put that on there. And then I come over here, and I say, well, uh, here, here's for my kids, you know? Kids are so expensive. I wish somebody would have told me that before I had them, you know? It's like I would have planned another 20 years to finally have kids, you know? All this money. So I put that there. And then I come over and I say, all right, here's, uh, here's my education. I start putting money into my education. Well, okay, education. You got the point there, right? So I start putting my, my money over there. And then I, then I say, well, I have these, these bills. I have these credit card bills. And I, and I put it in there, these bills. I have utilities. And then what happens is I, st I start giving all this away, and I, I start shoveling it out, and then pretty soon, if I wait and I don't give God his first, look what happens. I start dicing it all up, and there it is, and now I'm down to the very end, and I've got this little bit, and I say, okay, God, here's some for you. And when I do that, it's not about the money. It's not about the amount. Jesus was never about the amount. As a matter of fact, he watched the people giving their tithes. They would have these big cans, and they would throw their tithe in there. And, and the rich people come, and they ching, 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 all these coins would come down. And the, the widow came in, and she just dropped a little ding. And Jesus said, look, she's got it figured out. That's the one who's got it figured out. She made a greater sacrifice. It's not about the money. So, so let's come back here. Here's what happens when I come in, and I practice what God established here with the tithe. All right? I come and I say, all right, I'm going to give gracefully, grace giving to God first. And I'm going to come here and I give that 10% to God. 
what happens when I do that first? I think about him on everything else. See, he now has influence over all the rest of this. And whenever I go to pay that mortgage and I slice that out, I'm thinking about him first. And whenever I go to slice out car number one, car number two, I slice that out. And I'm saying, oh, God gave me that first. Oh, all this was God's pie. God gave all of this to me. And I have the privilege to give back to him first and let him influence all the rest of my life. And then, now, I have God's influence on everything that I do. And secondly, it's also an act of faith. Not only is it putting God first, it's an act of faith because I'm saying, okay, Lord, I've got this paycheck and I know you said out of that $100, I got to give you 10 Out of that 1000 I give you 100 and, and I write that check and I say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. And I do that. It may be online, whatever. We send it in the mail, whatever. We put it in a plate. We, we help in other missionaries. We do all kinds of things. But listen, it's about departing. It's about letting this go and saying, God, I'm going to trust you. So when we, when we do that, God has a powerful thing to do in our life. Now, he says this in Malachi 3.10. He says, to bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. That's why he tells you to do it. Do it so for his work. He's furthering his work. And then he says, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out blessings so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Now, I've studied the Bible a long time. I don't know, I don't have it all memorized. But I believe this is the only place where he says, put me to the test. He says, put me to the test. And what does he say? I will pour out a blessing you won't be able to. You can't build enough barns to store what I'm going to give you. You won't be able. Now listen, this isn't health and wealth prosperity. Uh, you know, I'm not telling you if, you if you give that you all of a sudden have all your bills paid. No, but I am telling you that there are blessings of God far beyond finances. And when we honor Him, He takes care of the rest. Um, in the New Testament, it doesn't come out and say to give 10%. It says to give and to be a grace giver. So this morning, I want to encourage you to be a grace giver, to give God your heart. And, and the last thought in your notes there is give God a test. Put him, put him to the test. Um, give, it, give it to him. Put God to the test. He says to do it. And you can write in your notes, Malachi 3.10. And I, I'll just share this with you. I've never met somebody who's developed this habit in their life who regrets it. I've never met anybody who says, man, you know what? I've been given to God for years and, and I regret it. I gave it to a missionary. I gave it to a homeless person. Uh, where, wherever it was, I've never regret some, heard somebody say, I regret. That's bound prayer. With your heads bowed and eyes closed today, God is wanting your heart. That's what all these habits have been about. That's what all these small things have been about. He wants you to stop and pay attention to Him, to read His Word. He wants you to memorize it. He wants you to think about Him. He wants you to serve Him. He wants you to honor Him with His finances. And, and as you do that this morning, a small thing that you can do, you say, well, I'm not there. That seems so far away. You can start by giving God 1%. It's not about the money. It's about your heart. Will you surrender to God what is His? It's, he gave you everything. He's the one who is your source. And as you give Him the source, as, as you realize that He's your source, you can let Him continue to, to work. I want to encourage you, develop this small thing in your life and allow God to change and change things in your life. Father God, I pray that you'll be with us, Lord, as we, as we need to develop, Lord, um, a real understanding of who you are. God, it's so hard. We, we live in a world where we see so many things. We see tangible things. But yet you've told us in those tangible things that you're working and that you're working through them. And, and when we honor you, we set that aside to you that you do the rest. So God, I pray that you'll be with all of us, Lord. We, we, don't, uh, we don't think about, uh, about amount. We think about our heart. We're saying, Lord, 
God, work in my life. Give me the grace, Lord. Teach me to start with one. Teach me to start today. And I'm going to ask each one of you in this room this morning as we close in this service to ask God, what would he have you to respond to his word this morning? Lord, we thank you and we ask that you'll bless each one of us as we respond to you. In your name we pray. Amen. As we close our service, would you stand with us as we sing? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. This is the main thing. It's not about money. It's about our heart connecting with God. If you'd like to come and pray, feel free to do so. Feel free to kneel and, uh, and pray.